We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 495 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Ian Hilton, and this is the five headlines from Barcelona's 0-0 draw with Hadafe. Before you hear all the frustrations, excuses, and non-excuses for this disaster, I again ask anybody who is watching on video to give a subscribe to the channel. And for those listening along, thanks so much for listening, and keep on listening. Even with the awful matches like this one, people have generally been excited about the team again this season, so... You know, I'm not going to get too worried about big picture stuff here. Let's start with the positive at the top before I even hit one of the headlines. Last season, Barcelona came out pretty lifeless, pretty listless against Rai Vallecano. 0-0 there for a team that is not one of the big Madrid giants, but it felt like deja vu to me, at least remembering last year. And I saw the same reactions that I did after that one. With the exception of that one was a lot less energy from Barcelona as opposed to what we saw the boxing match that we're about to talk about. Barcelona won the league by 10 points. It's a long season. And in a moment after this match, having seen Real Madrid pick up three points, it feels like, okay, okay, okay. But also, at a Militao for Real Madrid went down. And that is a lot more about Real Madrid's title chances than it is about Barcelona dropping two points to Hedafe. It's not even that they lost at Hedafe. They just dropped two points. So yeah, I'm not crying about it. I'm not going crazy about the final result when all is said and done. But there are definitely some lingering things to talk about through this match. So yes, without further ado, let's hit those five headlines. Headline one is crossing the line. As I've said before, and I always credit the late Dale Grove of Total Soccer Show for the line, things can be two things. And Barcelona were both poor, and this match was an embarrassing debacle. Both the things are true. I saw the post-game comments from both Bordelas and Xavi, and it'll be rough to see the glazing over of Adafe's tactics as just the way they play with what they have. Of course, Adafe were going to operate in a 5-3-2. Of course, they were going to buck her down. And of course, they were going to pick up cheap fouls and try to disrupt the rhythm of the game. But I do think we're letting them off the hook a little bit. And obviously, sitting in a chair of a Kool-Aid, I'm going to be biased and people are going to call me biased. But I really do think that the national media both in Spain and abroad, is letting Hadafe off the hook a little bit for crossing that line. I'll talk about the ref and Xavi and Barca's poor mentality in other headlines, but yeah, let's just focus on Hadafe for a, a second here. Without Ines Unal, their best player and leading goal scorer, being out for a few more months, this will be Hadafe against everybody. And while I didn't predict that they go down, 
I don't see how they have enough talent to stay out of the relegation fight this season. If a ref had put his foot down in the first 15 minutes of this match, I do think Barca win by two or more, despite all of their issues, and a lot of it was self-inflicted, sure, but I think if the referee had taken control of this match, again, we'll get to him in a second, then this match is entirely different. And if a referee decides that Adafi isn't allowed to be who they are, I mean, then I think that match is over quickly. I just don't see how they have the talent up top, especially without Unal to bail them out the way he did last year in a lot of different instances, as he might be gone for a few more months. Thinking of bailing out the other side, David Soria, the Hidafe keeper, was good enough to get the draw, but I also wouldn't say he stood on his head. He was the man of the match, but <laughs> I mean, my goodness, when you start crossing people out who shouldn't be man of the match, who was actually left standing, yeah, uh, sure, whatever, I guess it was Soria. But the three incidents at Liga for Hidafe in the coming days that they should be looking at after this was some of the early stuff. The seventh minute collision between Lewandowski and Damon Suarez, who, if I've said it once, I'll say it again. I hate that guy, along with Raul Garcia, more than a bunch of guys in white that I can at least appreciate their talent and skill. Damian Suarez, he might be good enough for the first division in Spain. He might be a Liga player. He's been around a long time. I'm not going to age shame him and say, oh, he's in his mid-30s, he doesn't have it anymore. No, that is who that guy has been as long as I have seen that guy in the top division. And he has, yes, been devout to Adafe. He's gone up with them. He's gone down with them. He's come back up with them. So yeah, credit to him on his loyalty to Adafe, sure. But gosh, yeah, watching him is antithetical to enjoying watching football. And I also think he gets away with a lot of stuff based on reputation and being the fact that he's been around the block so often. I think neutrals are going to say that Casemiro did, and Madrid fans say that Gavi does, but this was a different level. He deserved three or four cards in this game that were guaranteed instant deserves a card and didn't get him until he finally did get one. 16th minute. Let's move ahead a little bit. Lewandowski in the first 20 minutes of the match. Lewandowski found himself in a physical altercation again. Then still in the first half, Mitrovic thwacked down. I tried to figure out the word that I wanted to use here and thwack was the only word that I could really come up with for what Mitrovic did to Rafinha, which was a minimum yellow for sure and could have been reviewed for more. And it was bonkers that that went unpunished. And then Rafinha gets the yellow for complaining shortly thereafter, his first card of the night that was not going to be his last. Headline two is outrageous refereeing. Sometimes the word outrageous can mean good, but not here. I heard comparisons to Mateo Lahoth, but I can't believe I'm going to give a compliment to Lahoth here. But I feel like he could get some things right, but regularly just made it about himself in these big sweeping decisions. And I actually thought he was better in international competitions when it felt like he didn't know anybody and there was nowhere not even to send his bias but where the stage was so much bigger and more encapsulating than him that he just kind of just did his job and he was fine when he was on his day in the case of Cesar Sotogrado I don't have the same compliment he hid from the moment unlike Lajos until it was too late and then the game started policing itself Rafinha 100% deserved a straight red not even a second yellow for the takedown that got him ejected. But this was outrageous game managing from Soto Grotto, or lack thereof. He may find himself at home for a few weeks after the games he's already scheduled for take place, if those are already set. But it's not even just him. It's also pretty nuts that VAR exists, and he has VAR to help him sort out off-the-ball incidents. But was that happening, or was that not happening? Or I mean, I would love to see the referee report after this, to see... Or acknowledge if VAR, I'm obviously not going to admit to saying, well, we didn't look at this or we didn't care about this. But I mean, to not police any of the off the ball stuff when you have VAR existing, I don't know. I got to recheck the rules as to what you're allowed to review and what you aren't. But 
And at least some official has to be telling him in his ear, like, hey, we keep seeing a lot of stuff happening off ball that maybe you should try to keep a little bit of an eye on because this is really getting out of hand. And I think it was a lot about reputation too. Rafinha had the reputation of losing his cool and that reputation preceded him. But as I said before about Damian Suarez and Bordelas, this ref gave too long for the home team who got away with it because it was expected behavior from Adafe. And that's not even from a Barca perspective. If Aliki is going to continue to allow Hadafe play like this, then I will be avoiding Hadafe games like the plague. And I think a lot of other teams that aren't Barcelona are going to be complaining about it. But as far as Barcelona stuff, even, we can call it out. Araujo catching the ball. I mean, how is that nothing against Araujo? That's absurd. That is at minimum a yellow, and then intent is questioned for a red. I mean, what was he doing? Why was that not punished? I, I don't understand. I went into this game feeling like I had any semblance of some of the rules, and I come out of it knowing that there are many things I guess I don't know if this refereeing crew know what the rules are, and they know them to the letter. And again, I'm about to go in on Xavi and Barcelona and be critical of them, but I will reiterate that both Adafe playing that way and the referee having disaster of a night combined to make a much bigger takeaway for me from this match than the issues with Barcelona. That is just me, I think, being glass half full, maybe. But I think La Liga will be praying that they won't have another game like that this season between any two teams. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Headline three is no favor to themselves. So the last three headlines, to give it away, are going to be a bit more critical of FC Barcelona because as far as going into this match, I had just done the review and Xavi does 10 times more homework than I do, but we knew that Bordelas, there is a sample size, was going to come into this match at home even. Who cares about attacking football? They were going to come in with a 5-3-2. Xavi knew Bordelas would do that. It does show a trust in those starters so much greater than the bench options that could have made it a wider 4-3-3 in theory that Xavi decided to go with that box midfield, which I get it. You want to make sure that Pedri and De Jong and Oro Romeo and Gunawin are on the field at the same time together. And on paper, that midfield four, especially after the preseason where there was a lot of bright signs and good connections, was Gunawin being the only one that a little puzzling about whether or not he could find his form. But after that preseason, you thought, okay, those four, they're going to figure this out. No matter where in those tight spaces, they're going to be able to break them down. And it never happened. And it clearly, from minute one, you could see that Bordelas had the tactical advantage, which is, again, based on personnel, that Xavi is trying to put his best 11 together on the field in some cohesive system. Because again, it's not a really a box midfield shore, but it's honestly, we know what it is. It's a 3-2-2-3 with Bali on the left or a 4-4-2 defending. But obviously here in the graphic, I put it as a 4-3-3 formation so I could confidently fit everybody in the lineup as things get a little small here in the graphic if you're watching on video. But even from the jump, there was something amiss. There's something wrong. Latatse gets in behind Kunde in the first five minutes. He goes down. The ref doesn't go for it. Kunde puts him off, but way too close to bringing him down and potentially also seeing a red at that moment in the game. So Barcelona was already a little out of sorts there, which always brings up the question with Xavi about that Araujo situation. I get the right back thing, but who is going to sit? I, I brought this up on Twitter and I'll bring it up now and I'm going to talk about it on the pod on Tuesday. When it comes to Christensen, and Kunde and Araujo. So I was making the point about Fresneda and Arna Martinez about this, but you can throw Cancelo in this in the form that he's been in for the last year of his playing career. Christensen, Kunde, and Araujo. Does Fresneda or Arna Martinez sit either of those two, even though they're right backs? I don't think so. I don't see how you have Kunde in there. And if he's going to play center back and they're going to be devoted to playing him center back, then yeah, he'd switch over to left and Araujo would play right center back and you put Christensen on the bench. But you're putting Christensen on the bench for Fresneda or Arna Martinez? I'm not sure that that's happening. And I think that's the very reason why Xavi said we need to get Cancelo. That's a player that, I mean, sure, he's damaged goods from Bayern to Man City, but he's at his ceiling in his prime. So Xavi said, if I get the best out of that guy, I know exactly what I'm getting. And that guy is somebody that I might be able to sit Christensen or rotate Kunde out occasionally for, because again, Araujo, there's no reason why he should come out of a lineup if he's still fit. So yeah, I just, I don't know. That's the one question I have. Like, you know that I would love Arna Martinez or Frisneda, and I believe that Barcelona looking to the future, they're at least one or two or three right back short. 
even the next one coming up, 16-year-old Hector Fort. I mean, he's actually had a rough year. He, just 50, he was 15, turning 16 and playing three levels up. But still, like it, it's proof that there is no sure thing in the academy at any level, at any position. So again, that's something we'll talk about more on the podcast. But to the numbers here, a 0-0 game with 25% possession for Adafe, 75% possession for Barcelona, 20 fouls, 26 minutes of stoppage time. And with all that time, I think what made it feel worse was that Barcelona's mentality with the fouling, I know the fouling was important, I already made those excuses, if you will. But the problem with Barcelona, I think more than anything else, the tactics, anything else, was the mentality and how they had their feathers ruffled by the fouls. That cannot happen. You cannot get rattled to the way that they were. We can talk about this mentality as being a serious issue because when push comes to shove in Europe, that's what you want. And I think for Barcelona, it was interesting because when the young players or the players who didn't know any better came in in the second half, they seemed to have the mentality right. They didn't seem to be bothered, and that game calmed down. Maybe Hidafe also lost a few legs, too, because they had 25% of possession. And sure, they couldn't really foul without giving up penalties at that point. And we'll again get to that call later, too. But I think for Barca's mentality from minute one, I already mentioned it, the first five minutes, Hidafe had set the precedent, and that lasted throughout that entire first half, plus 10. It's just unacceptable from Barcelona to kickstart your year, to get punched in the mouth like this and just nurse it for 45 to 55 minutes in the first half. It, it's just it's unacceptable. Headline four is bad form or no chemistry. Going to win early miss, operating the left next to Balde. And that showed me that there was trust in Pedri to keep playing on the right and being that connector. Though there is more of a balance there with Balde being that marauding left winger. And obviously you have Rafina out to the right, Balde out to the left. Lewandowski through the middle. So there is a bit more balance than there was when Pedri would basically be at at almost a center point line on the the vertical axis. And then he would spray that ball even farther over to the right to Dembele to give him as much space as humanly possible. Space that Rafinha isn't really taking and does not really use because we know he's going to come in on his left nine times out of 10. So there's a bit more balance in the way that this team is set up with those two high interiors. But I think just talk about bad chemistry and trying to figure some things out. I'm not too concerned just yet because most importantly, and I harped on it all preseason long, Romeo seems to be the only midfielder in any consistent form. And sure, he hit that wide shot, whatever. And while that was happening, by the way, Suarez was taking out Gunnowen. It's just another one of those moments you could chalk up that something should have happened. Nothing happened. Talked about it before. But Romeo seems to be the one who knows entirely what his role is, is comfortable in his role, and it's all working out. And again, this will be a topic we'll talk more about on the podcast on Tuesday, but it was weird with Pedri and Gunawan in, in the first half where people were bringing up, are they too high up the field? Is that high interior system not working? And I really thought about Pedri and seen where he's at his best and where I think that he would be at his best. It's why you go out and get Oro Romeo. That's why you ask Frankie de Young to do a different job deeper on the field so Pedri can be up there and doing his thing. And he did finally find the game a bit in the second half, but it was at that point too little too late. And I think was already scheduled, that being Pedri, to come out of the game. Because even though Barca were building something at that point, the argument with him is still that the long term of keeping him fit cannot be mortgaged at the start of the season against Adafe. It's a pick your poison. It's that, okay, he's finally playing well, but we got to keep him out there. But no, you shouldn't keep him out there. You saw what happened when you do keep him out there too long in these moments. And, and these moments, especially against Adafe, where you're getting the living daylights kicked out of you, these are going to add up for him we know that. We know that his body isn't going to be able to hold up with too many matches like this. 
and going to win thing is different. I saw what I saw in the second half of the season with Man City last year, and I know it's a totally different system and all that stuff, but he just doesn't look comfortable yet, and he has not been able to help Barcelona either. There is a world when you see Adafa in the schedule like this where if Gavi had been fit, that just based on the game you were getting, that it would have been the moment. I know it's the start of the year, and you want to have, in theory, your two best high interiors, but this actually would have been the moment to rotate one of them for Gavi right out of the gate. Might have Gabi got a red in the first half. Well, anybody could have got a red card or anybody could have got a yellow or whatever. It's not saying like, oh, Gabi wouldn't have the temperament for this match. It seems like the ref would have loved to see Gabi's temperament in this match. And he could have got away with even more than Gabi's getting accused of by national media of getting away with. And lastly, people want to talk about Lewandowski and he was ineffective at times. Yes, he's the one player that I feel that I'm going to have to dig into a little bit of a rewatch. Because when I talk about mentality, it seemed like he was rattled pretty badly by that Hadafe pressure. All that little stuff off the ball, he doesn't appreciate it. I don't know if his back is still just perpetually going to be an issue because Hadafe seemed to be targeting that, just the way he gets up. And I don't know. I think people are looking at the way he receives the ball or struggles to receive it, struggles to continue to build up play. Doesn't necessarily make all the runs, make some of the runs. And you can see Rafini getting frustrated when they don't hit him over the top. And Hadafe was able to mark those close spaces a lot better and easier with Lewandowski in the middle and then Pedri and Gruen just below him to put all three of them together. And if Lewandowski isn't hitting those short, small passes, now you have Hadafe going the other way with three players too close to each other and too high up the field. And that's a problem. And as far as am I worried about the future of it, financially I am. I'm worried about his contract. I've been worried about his contract now since the day he signed it when I told you about the end of it. But now we're almost worried about it a year ahead of when we thought we'd be worried about it. Fortunately for Barcelona, I'm not going to cry too much. Vita Roque is coming in January. Barcelona went out. They pulled their boots up. They pulled up their pants, their big boy pants, I should say. And they went out and they spent some money on who they think is the number nine of the future. And if Ansu, no pressure on him. He doesn't have to work out at that position. If Mark G or somebody else in the academy, I mean, obviously we know number nines don't come from the academy. It doesn't work that way for anybody. you got to go through it first and score some goals, prove some stuff, and then it works out. But they already went out and they got him. They bought him. He's coming. He's on the way. The problem is going to be paying Lewandowski what they owe him if this is who Lewandowski is. And again, we're going to talk more about him on the podcast. I do want to look at his match one more time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And headline five is almost something. Let's talk about the second half now because there are some positive signs there. Abde, the change for Christensen because they were down a man. There was an immediate improvement down that left with the young playing a lot deeper and 
that is, again, what limits Romeo, where Romeo is not going to ping those balls, especially in behind against this kind of team the way Busquets did. That responsibility is going to fall on De Jong, and he's not as good as Busquets at that job. Another guy who stepped up to do that, and maybe one of the reasons why, I mean, I want to give Xavi credit for this, Araujo doesn't have those balls either. So who's hitting those balls in preseason and now more than anybody else? It's Kunde. If you put Kunde on the right wing, he cannot hit those balls diagonal across the entire field. The ball's in the air for too long, and the defense can jump on top of it. So I wonder if it's not on purpose. Yes, there are issues about having Araujo play right back, but I think when he went through the pros and the cons, that being Xavi and his training crew, yeah, it's sure about Kunde's happiness, but Xavi willing to make Kunde unhappy last year by playing his right back all year. But I think losing Busquets and adding Romeu, that means that Kunde has more responsibility to be that playmaker with the ball at his feet. And that might be one of the reasons why you see the center back set up in the formation they are. 57th minute, Jaime Mata gets a second yellow for a rough tackle on Araujo. Then it became about breaking them down again because it was 10v10 at that point. And Barcelona did a much better job of pushing the ball wide and pushing him into the extra man, getting that help coming over and then trying to exploit that space. Then it became all about not finishing your chances, and young players do that. We know that. But 67th minute, it was well done by Abde to keep it inbounds, but the cross into Lewandowski didn't work, and it was a reminder of the same issue with Balde, because clearly Xavi is given the instructions, get into the final third ASAP, and then worry about your teammates catching up once you get there. And then Xavi's instructions ended at that point, though, because he gets a red in the 70th minute for taking exception to a foul not called and charged at the fourth official in the same way that Bordelaz had done. It's again, they were just odd officiating all the way around. I'm not even complaining about the Xavi ejection. I'm saying that if you're going to give him the ejection, then give it to Bordelaz too. So he'll miss the Cadiz match next weekend. We're also on the podcast, go over his comments afterwards. So yes, he'll definitely miss next weekend, but he could miss a few matches beyond that too. And then the question also we have to talk about now and later is the Abde and Balde, what be- becomes a situation that I know is 10 men, but Balde does get pinned back a little bit when Abde comes on the field. And I don't know, I'm not too worried about that because I chalk up the other side of the field and lack of width on the right to the fact that you didn't have a right winger in that situation. Yes, you had Lamine Yamal, but you were missing somebody in behind. So Lamine Yamal had to either play a little bit deeper or you had to keep Balde at home on the other side to be more for the first time ever defensive left back instead of constantly going forward. You just you couldn't put too many bodies forward once you did lose a man, even though they lost a man too. You just had to keep that balance on the field. 75th minute, Abde miss wide off the feed from Pedri, and then Abde also skied one over. Ansu skied one over. Really frustrating for young players. I mean, just trying to be the man, trying to find the moment, and trying to step up to the cause without really helping the team. And, you know, I, I think, not say it's forgivable from Abde and, and Ansu, but I don't know. They do have a longer leash on things like that. But at some point, you're going to say, okay, well, if they're going to make those decisions in those situations, I can't say that they were net positives. Yes, they improved the game with what they brought to the game. They were fearless in a way that Lewandowski and Rafinha weren't. The mentality was right, and Abde and Ansu Fati improved that match for Barcelona. But that playing time will potentially dry up when Vida Roque, as I said, comes. I don't know if he's going to be the instant starter. He might have the same youthful issues as the other two when he comes to Europe. But young players, if you don't finish, you get some kind of leash until that leash is done and another player has been brought in. We do know that Xavi wants another high interior midfielder. He might not get him. But if he does, I mean, that is going to limit more time that Abde and Ansu and Ferran Torres are not going to receive. 76th minute, Ordo Romeo off for Lamine Mall. 
Though, should Lewandowski have come off instead? Let's throw that question out there. Ponder it later. 79th minute, Ansu and Gabi for Pedri and Goodwin, as I said. And then almost right away, when those subs are made, Lamini Mall receives a diagonal ball onto his left and the ball bouncing for a really good run in behind from Ansu. People are critical of the lack of finishing here. It was bouncing at a weird angle. He caught it over his opposite shoulder. That's just a really hard finish. And I think, again, we expect Ansu to finish those. He's got to bang a few of those in over the course of the year. Like, top strikers and top forwards do that. But yeah, he didn't get enough of it. Doesn't go in. And then Damian Suarez finally gets his yellow in the 82nd minute. Oh, rejoice. Absolutely wild stuff. He didn't get it before that. Too late. Ansu Fati, good things and immediate issues with the passes. His dribbling... His 1v1 stuff in the preseason, it does look better. He does look like he's playing with more confidence, but still that the passing and decision-making look like it's a far cry from what it was originally. And it's a weird thing where that injury kind of changed him as a player. And even if he says, and he has looked in this preseason, like his body is kind of finally caught up with where he wants to be, and he does look kind of back. That injury that he took takes a long time to come back from. So it's possible that physically it's been all the way to now, and obviously you don't admit that you're having trouble last season. If you're given a clean bill of health and you just go with it, admit that, yeah, maybe I'm not where I want to be, even though I'm healthy, I'm not fully where I want to be. But now it's kind of the mental stuff. And being 20 and trying to figure out who he is, the whole drama I know behind the scenes is not helping him. It feels like every miss, every miss pass, he's got that little voice in the back of his head that's not just in the back of the head, it's probably blowing up his phone about his agent saying, hey, Barca's looking to get rid of you. You got an offer, 50 million, Premier League. You want to go? I don't know. And I don't think that's good for Ansu. I think he should just stay, dig his feet in, and then by September 1st, say, all right, I'm here. Now do something with me. <laughs> and Xavi, because of his contract being so long and for what he can provide, hopefully Xavi does something with him and he figures it out. Last few things, miscommunication in 95th minute between Balde and Abde. Yeah, again, there was something there, but that was an issue, and that's going to be a problem. And that moment kind of summed it up as a still frame. Then the 100th minute, the last bit of controversy. Of course, this game had to go out with the same bang that it seemed to have with those death by a thousand bangs throughout the match. 100th minute, as I said, Glacius kicked the bottom of Rahu's foot, definitely brought him down, definitely a penalty, but then the handball on Gavi weighs it off. I did not see enough of a handball for that handball to be considered, but... I think what the ref went with, and I'm going to try my best to understand this, that you could not overturn that it was a penalty, even though it was a guaranteed penalty. The initial call on the field was that it was not a penalty. So you could not, without a shadow of a doubt, overturn that call if it was inconclusive whether or not it was a handball on Gabi. So I think the ref's thinking was that there's a high enough chance that it actually was a handball on Gabi, that we cannot, with certainty, overturn this call, even though the kick to Araujo certainly 100% makes this a penalty. Does that make sense? I tried my best. Okay, I'm tired. I'm done with this match. I feel beat down and broken as well. So I'll talk to you again at this point, what is likely going to be tomorrow or maybe the day after. We'll see when that finally comes out. So yeah, we will talk about this one more time and some of the bigger ideas, some of the worries that this match might have brought up this season. So 0-0, whatever, one point. It's one point. There's 99 more plus to get this season on that race for the Liga Championship. And if anything, Barcelona, maybe they feel a little bit of adversity and they felt it early enough last season. They feel it again and they'll come out with a little more fire next weekend against Cadiz. 
In the meantime, you know where to find me. Subscribe everywhere, all that different stuff. Follow me on all the different social medias and look out for new content and different stuff that I've got cooking on the back burner as we start this season as well. And as always, until next time, where's the bar stuff?